Good morning, my fine friends, and thank you for being with me for Lord's Day Live. Here we go. I came in early. Ah, it is time for Doodle Bible School. You're with me. I'm with you. Here we are. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Thank you guys for showing up. And let's get after this. You know what I'm saying? We are we are peddling, peddling, peddling right through. That doesn't look like a peddling motion, doesn't it? How do you pedal? It's with your legs, isn't it? And that's down here, and you can't see it, so it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Doodle Bible School, we're working our way through Genesis. And uh, <clears throat> that's what's going to, watch it right here. It's going to say it. Generally, Genesis. <laughs> it's like I knew what was coming. That's what we're doing, folks. <clears throat> and we're into chapter 48. Anybody want to guess how many chapters there are in the book of Genesis? 50. Yeah, like we're like crazy close. Of course, it's getting towards the end of the year. I told you we we're going to spend all year in the book of Genesis, and here we are. But it's really been fun, hasn't it? You know? But we're right up to Genesis chapter 48, and uh, really good, good stuff. Let's see what we got next. Let's see. It says number one segment. Well, oh, yeah, that's do the doodle. See the doodle? Watch it. Oh, it stopped. Come on. There it is. It all doodled. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I got my doodle. <clears throat> doodle later and doodle lupus. Oops, I spit on the screen there. <laughs> That's not good. All right, you got yours? I got mine. Here we go. We're going to doodle. But before we do that, we always review, remember? Boy, the computer is slow today. It must be cold. All right, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41. Boy, it's slow. All right, remember the camels? <clears throat> Turn them upside down. You got fours. Those are all about the brothers coming to Egypt and all that, you know? Who's this guy? The little guy that looks like a... Uh, <clears throat> a chef <coughs> that, remember, that represents Jacob, right? He's the father of the boys. He's the father of Joseph, all right? So 46, we're going to get Jacob, and uh, he is going to actually move to Egypt. 47, you see the four? 47, we're going to have Joseph, who's Jacob's son, favorite son, Joseph's going to continue to manage the famine that's going on there for another five years after they moved down here. Well, when we get to 48, <clears throat> like I told you, uh, it's really kind of an interesting uh, chapter. And uh, here's the clue that's supposed to help you remember it. I hope you can see the four. That's Jacob, right? Here's the eight. That looks like two babies. Good job. And that makes the eight, right? But you'll notice that the baby number two is at the top and the baby number one is at the bottom. And there's a reason for that, because what's going to happen in Genesis chapter 48 is Israel, that's Jacob, his name's changed to Israel, right? Israel is going to bless Jacob's, or not Jacob's, Joseph's sons. So his boy's going to bring his two boys in here, and Jacob, Israel, is going to bless them. But he's going to give the primary blessing to the secondborn, not the firstborn, the secondborn, which is not unlike what happened with Jacob himself. Remember back in the day? That's a long time ago we studied that. But remember how he actually stole that blessing from his brother. Well, in this particular case, Jacob, who is also Israel, <clears throat> is going to bless the sons of Joseph, but he's going to make the secondborn preeminent. That was kind of important back in the day because the firstborn was the individual who got most of dad's stuff and then the authority of the family rested on him and that kind of thing. 
But in this case, Jacob or Israel is going to actually give the preeminence to the secondborn. So, how do you remember chapter 48? You remember Israel, Jacob. He's going to bless the sons of Joseph. So these are actually his grandsons. Because Joseph is his son, right? And these are his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. All right, I think we got it. So, oh, no, no, we don't got it. We got to, we got to draw it. What are you even thinking, son? Now remember, I'm not even good at this, guys. Let's start with the cup this time, because last time I kind of blew it. All right, cup, and it's got good smelling stuff coming out of the cup. And here, this is gonna, we're just going to say that is Jacob's hand here. And got a little bit of a sleeve happening here. What else we got? Oh, yeah, got the whole chef thing. I'm not good with chef stuff. Come on. Let's just go. Oh, he's got a funky arm there. <laughs> See that? His, his arm, we'll just put it like that. And that's his hand right there. Okay. And then we've got this funny little uh, thing happening here that's supposed to represent a chef, I guess. And then you got his head. Of course, most people have heads. And then you got that hat. That, that, there you go. See here how you got that hat and that that and that's really cool. Isn't it? Okay. See that's really good. That's the four. <laughs> he looks a little funny. All right, but then you know how to do the eight, right? Outline the eight, and then inside the eight, we're going to have these two babies. But I'm not good with babies, and so let's just make them smiley faces. How's that seem? <laughs> Is that okay with you? But remember. Number two is at the top, and number one is at the bottom. Because number two is going to be the one who receives the primary blessing, right? <laughs> that's not too bad, actually. I mean, the, the babies are a little bit funky, but that's not, I thought I thought our chef turned his, his shoulder over here has got something happening. But other than that, I think we really did great, guys. I'm really proud of you. I hope that yours looks better than mine. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Get that up there so that everybody can admire it throughout the entire time that we allowed to admire it. Moving on. So if I were going to test you, <coughs> excuse me, still got that cold. If I were going to test you over segment number one, I would ask you, what's the theme of chapter 48? Jacob or Israel is going to bless the sons of Joseph. Those are the sons right there. Right? Very good. And can you doodle it? Clearly you can't. You might want to improve upon the shoulder because I, I that's really bothering me. The, the shoulder thing is happening and I'm not liking it. But what do you do? Let's be silly. That's what you do. Let's just be silly. Why did the tree fail its final exam? <clears throat> if trees went to school and these schools for trees had exams and this one particular tree, he failed his exam, you would ask yourself, well, why did you fail your exam? Why did the tree fail his final exam? Well, it's because he got stumped. <laughs> Go ahead. Laugh out loud for that one because I thought it was pretty good. He got stumped. Get it? Stumped. He couldn't think of the answers. Stumped. He got... <laughs> he likes it. Look at that. He likes it. I know. <laughs> Segment number two. In this particular segment, we begin to make memories. Let us make a memory together. Memories pressed between the pages of my mind. That was a popular song back in the day. But anyhow, we're going to make a memory. Here we go. You ready to memorize? Here's your, your uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, <laughs> what do you call that? Uh, memory verse. Thank you. I couldn't remember to remember the memory. <laughs> Anyhow, here it is. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, 
and there's the rest of it. So we bless them. Say it five times. So we bless them. So we bless them. So we bless them. So he bless them. So we bless them. And I have found that if you sing it as a little ditty, it drives your parents nuts. <laughs> no, but it helps it stick in your brain, you know what I mean? And then you're able to remember it. So he blessed them. Well, see, we've already said that first one, so we got that. Like, it's stuck right up in there. And then you just go through the rest and say it five times each. Or you can do as I've told you too many times in the past. You can leave blank spaces, put it all over the house. Now, I, I would encourage you not to spray paint it on anything permanently. This will gather the wrath of your parents. Don't do that. But you might put it on a sticky note, you know, right? See, I got sticky notes here. I always carry sticky notes because I can't remember nothing. Anyhow, and I write it on there, and you can put a blank here, blank, 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 and then you just stick it, you know, six or seven places all around the house. <laughs> now, that'll drive mom nuts, too, but at least it's not permanent. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. Anyhow, there's your memory verse, guys. Uh, chapter 48 and verse 20. And again, as I've told the parents in the past, use whatever translation that you feel is best for your particular family, but uh, this is the one that I use. I like the ESV a lot. There's your memory verse. Did you guys get it? Whoop, whoop. All right. So if I were to ask you about segment number two, <clears throat> the question that clearly would come to mind is this. What did Israel put before Manasseh? What? Who? That's the question. Who did Israel put before Manasseh? I bet it's his other brother. question is, can you remember who he is? It's in your memory verse. Can you quote the memory verse? I think you got this. Look, the guy hanging upside down, he says, you've got this. How come when he hangs upside down, his words aren't upside down? You ever think about that? It seems like if you hang upside down, your words ought to come out upside down. But they don't. They come outside right set up. I don't. It's just one of those things that you just have to appreciate in life. Okay, now, how's <clears throat> my buddy? <laughs> you ready for Thanksgiving? <laughs> I don't think he's got too much space left for Thanksgiving. His belly's dragging now. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, another silly. You got that right. Here we go. <clears throat> how do trees get on the internet? Now, you might say to yourself, Sonny, it seems like we've got a tree theme going on here. The first one was he got stumped. Remember that one? <laughs> Well, this is the only, I don't think I got another one after this. How do trees get on the internet? If a tree was in the woods and said to itself, you know, I need to Google that. How does it get on the internet? How does a tree Google diddly? How does a tree get on the internet? Well, I'm fixing to tell you. Clearly they log on. <laughs> in the first one, he got stumped. And then you take that stump, what's well, not the stump, the other part, and that's a log, and you log on. See, you can connect both of those. So if you can take both of those two funnies and remember them, you'd have them for the holidays. You'd have two funnies. Wouldn't that be funny to have two funnies? <laughs> how do trees get on the Internet? They log on. That's clearly how they get on the Internet. I mean, surely you knew that. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> segment number three, we're going to ponder a passage. Here is our little dude. He's sitting on a box while pondering. See his little fishing thing there? He's saying, hmm. All right, so we're going to ponder this passage. That means we're going to think deeply upon it. We're going to ask ourselves, okay, as we think deeply upon it, what are we thinking? In Genesis chapter 48, you notice I had to just give us a few parts of the passage, but we get the main stuff here. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? It's kind of odd. Grandpa doesn't even recognize his own grandsons. You're fixing to find out why. Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. 
So these are the kids that were born to Joseph while he lived in Egypt. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now, here's the way that you understand verse 10, why he didn't recognize his, his grandkids. Now, the eyes of Israel were dim with age. Now, I will say this. It's possible this is the first time he ever met him. Because remember, he's just moved down there and all that. I don't know. But probably not. Because he's going to live down there. I, I forgot. I think he lives down there like 13 years. So I don't. And, and right now, we're getting towards the end of, of, of his life. I don't know. But what I do know is that his eyes are really struggling to, to pick up things. Have you ever been in that situation where maybe you saw somebody at the store and you knew them immediately, but they didn't seem to recognize you from a distance? Maybe they were older. Their eyes weren't working as good as your eyes were working, etc. Well, first question you're going to have is, what about Israel's eyes? Well, it says here that they were dim because he was older, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. That's kind of sweet, isn't it? So Grandpa says, hey, come here, guys. And he kisses them. He embraces them. We're going to see here in a moment that he's actually going to, they're evidently going to sit on his lap. Uh, kiss and embrace him. Israel says to Joseph, he says, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. He said, I thought you're dead. I'd never see your face again, this, this side of eternity. But he said, now I've got to see your face and your two boys. This is such a wonderful, a wonderful day. Then he says, verse 12, then Joseph removed them from his knees. So evidently, it sounds to me like in context that the boys have been sitting on grandpa's lap. Isn't that cute? And he bowed himself to his face, uh, to the ground, to the earth. And Joseph then took both Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and he brought them near. So, <clears throat> Ephraim's the youngest. Manasseh is the oldest. And so he wants Manasseh, because he's the firstborn, he wants Manasseh to be at dad's right hand. Right hand is the power hand. And so the firstborn should stand at dad's right hand. And so dad would put his right hand on Manasseh's head and he'd put his left hand on Ephraim's head. But that's not what happens. It says, <clears throat> and brought them near. And Israel stretched out his right hand and he laid it on the head of Ephraim. So he's, Joseph wants him to do this, but instead dad does this. Right hand laid it on the head of Ephraim who was the youngest, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn, so you would have thought that Manasseh would have got the right hand, but he doesn't. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He said, no, Dad, you're going against customs here. Custom. And he took his father's hand and he moved it from Ephraim's head. He said, no, Dad, it's supposed to be this way. Dad said, no, 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 son, I got this. I, I, I know what I'm doing. It's supposed to be this way. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused, and he said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a great people, and he also shall be great. So Manasseh is going to do great things too. Nevertheless, it's his younger brother, Ephraim, that's going to be greater than he is. He's going to take the lead in the family. And his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day. So it's kind of interesting the way that, that uh, the blessing went about back in the day. <coughs> Essentially, Grandpa would put his hands on the heads 
And uh, I don't know, maybe he would say a prayer or something. If you read the rest of the chapter, he does say some nice things. I don't think it's necessarily a prayer, but he would say some nice things about the, about the children and kind of predict their futures and that, that kind of thing. But in this particular case, instead of going the direction you would expect with his right hand on the oldest son's head, he crosses over. And Jacob says to his son Joseph, I know what I'm doing. Ephraim is going to be the predominant. Interesting story, huh? So if you were going to be tested upon that particular set of ideas, here's the questions that I would ask of you. What were the conditions? What were the condition of Israel's eyes? That, I don't know if that's a good sentence. What was the condition? Think what was. What were the conditions? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Anyhow, you get the idea. Were good eyes, bad eyes, you know, that kind. How did Israel greet his boy, greet the, the grandsons? All right, you got the rest of them there. Go ahead and screenshot that, and then you'll be able to have those five questions to prepare for the big one. You know, you know what I'm talking about, the big one at the end. All right, here we go. Another silly moment. Which dinosaur had the best vocabulary? This one you ought to be able to figure out. It's actually cute, but this one you ought to be able to get. Which dinosaur had the best vocabulary? The thesaurus. <laughs> you know what a thesaurus is? <laughs> a book of words. <coughs> what is that? A book of synonyms? Is that right? Where you, you go and you find a, a, a word and you say, okay, what's another word that means the same thing as this word? Uh, anyhow, a thesaurus. I thought it was cute. It's not a tree joke. I get that. I should have had another tree joke, but I only had two of them. And so I saved those for the first. Okay, this is a this is a dinosaur joke. Okay. Segment number four is where we apply the doing 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 I love the doings. Uh, we, we're gonna apply the, the the why and we're gonna ask ourselves, okay, why do we study chapter 48? See our clue? Notice that our clue got to stay up here the whole time. I was watching over here, it didn't block anything. Well, except for my nose, but who, who needs to see my nose? And so I said, I'm going to leave that there until it starts blocking. It didn't block. So we, it's still there. <laughs> okay, here we go. If we apply the why, then we were going to ask ourselves these uh, this question. I guess it's two questions here. But this is what drew me when I looked at the passage. A lot of stuff to apply to us today. But Israel saw his grown sons, but he didn't recognize them. His eyes are dim. My question is, have you ever had an older person not recognize you at a distance? It might even have been your grandparents. You come in the house, but grandpa's all the way at the other end of the house, and, and you haven't said anything yet, so he can't recognize your voice, you know, and he looks across there. Who is that? How'd that make you feel? Well, it shouldn't make you feel bad, because as your eyes get older, and as you lose your eyesight, it becomes a really big struggle, and it's kind of embarrassing at times when you don't recognize somebody from a distance or whatever it may be. And your hearing starts to go, so you can't, and it becomes a little troublesome. If you ever had anything like that happen to you, it should lead you then to this question, which is going to be the question on your test. What can younger people do to help older people who can't see very well? What might you do? I know both of my aging parents are, are struggling with their eyesight, and, and sometimes I have to actually take dad by the arm and kind of walk him as we go to the store, so I said, Dad, that's going to be a step up right there because there's a curb. And he, I don't know whether he can see it or not. My mom's real fragile, and so sometimes I have to you know, almost put her in a hug as I kind of walk her down the, the little ramp there so she doesn't fall or whatever. They can't see, can't hear at times, etc. 
What are some other suggestions for young people? How could they help older people? I'll give you one real quick and then we'll move on. Whenever I see somebody at the store who maybe I haven't seen for a while, they can't hear very well, or I know they can't see very well, I will often introduce myself, even though we've known each other for years. I'll say, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, this is Sonny. Remember Sonny? And that way they can not only be free of embarrassment, I take all the embarrassment on me. And I say to them, remember Sonny? And they'll often, oh, Sonny, I've known you forever. But if I hadn't done that, they would have been embarrassed because they couldn't see me. Or maybe they, they, their hearing wouldn't allow them to recognize my voice. I want to take that embarrassment off of them. I don't want them. They've lived a long life. They deserve to have honor towards the end of their life, don't they? So what are some things that young people can do to help older people who maybe can't see very well? That's the question. Well, let's just show you. I'll prove it to you right here. It's going to be right there. I'm telling you. Watch What can young people do to help older people who cannot see well? I told you it was going to be on the test. Okay, guys, you know what happens next. We open the blinds. There's the furball. He not happy, never is, but we got one more funny. I told you. What did the wolf say when he stubbed his toe? I think I do have to take this one down now. What did the wolf say when he stubbed his toe? Well, the wolf said, Ow, wow, ow. Can you see him saying, ouch? <laughs> and Furball says, Sir, yes, I'm serious. He stubbed his toe. You should be more sympathetic. Ouch! <laughs> All right, guys. <coughs> the time you've been waiting for, she certainly has been waiting for it. Can't hardly wait. Oh, joy, she says. It's time to put the final test in front of you. Are you ready? Here it is. Ten questions, but you got this. The guy says it, so you must. He says he believes in you, and so there you go. You, you got it, got it. There's the ten questions. Take a screenshot of that. That's the te final test, guys. If you can do that, you're like crazy awesome. Did you get it? Did you got it? Did you get it? Did you got it? Get it? Thanks for being with me. I love you. Sonny Chow saying be there. Matthew 16, 26. Well, what do you think? Was that worth going through? I thought it was. Chapter 48 is an interesting chapter in the book of Genesis. Uh, wouldn't you agree? He thinks it was fun. No, that was him. That was that guy's. Well, he gave the thumbs up, so he must think it's fun too. Anyhow, support our ministry, would you please? If you can, add us to your missions giving so we can continue to produce this material and send it out. Got some really neat things coming on the horizon. Gabriel's been doing some dreaming about how he can be involved in Doodle Bible School. And uh, I think the dream he's got is crazy awesome. Uh, pray for him. He's traveling right now to Memphis so that he can be with uh, the congregation he worked with last summer. But uh, pray for him and his dreams and all that we're trying to do here at the ministry, please. That brings us to prayer time. <coughs> Excuse me. As I always say at this particular moment, Please go ahead and list anything that you've got that's on your heart, and I'll try to mention it. I'd like to ask you to remember our Sunday schedule. Let me get out of here. Sunday schedule. I should have made that bigger for you, but anyhow, this is the stuff that we do on Sunday, and I'm telling you, it's the it's by far the biggest day of the week. 
Uh, I do my live stuff from nine to 10 as, and we're in the middle of that right now. And then I'll pedal as fast as I can to Marmaduke and there I'll be in the pulpit. And now I'm going to speak today in Acts 16, the slave girl. And that, by the way, is also broadcast live. Uh, then we come home for home church. Uh, my oldest son leads home church and then Zoom Bible study tonight at seven. It's a very, very busy, 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 busy day. If you'd pray for us so we continue to be able to accomplish the things God wants for us, that would mean a lot. My mom's teeth coming up uh, at the end of this particular month. She's going to have the extractions done. I think nine teeth, if I'm not mistaken. It's going to be a big day for her. Pray for her that she'll be able to handle that as far as her physical body is concerned. And my dad is, is trying to come out the other side of a, of a UTI. Um, I, I think he, I know he's doing a whole lot better, but he's nowhere near recovered. And mom said just this morning he's really struggling with his energy. So if you'd be prayer in prayer for my folks, uh, that would mean a lot to me. And speaking of that, my my uh, wife is really struggling. Uh, she she's actually was the last to take all this croupy goop stuff in our chest and all that because she was the last to take it. She administered. She was taking care of the rest of us. But anyhow, she's, so she's on the tail end of all of it. Most of us are, are pretty well down the path to recovery, but Cindy's really struggling. So remember her, if you will. And also remember my brother-in-law, if you would. And as he has uh, had a really important surgery, but he's kind of struggling with the recovery part of that, pray for him, if you would. Uh, fathers, that they'll step up. I saw this on, on uh, social media. I thought that was so powerful, a picture. Teach your kids the ways of God. Uh, fathers need to step up in, in a big way. And it's not just get your children into a pew. That's what I really, that's so lazy. That's, that's not what's going to solve this problem. The thing you need to do, dad, is get your child into a absolute fixation on the creator. And most of the time that's not going to happen because you take them and sit them in a pew. My trip to Kenya next fall, that God will continue to work that out. And if that is within his will, that I'll be able to do that. And I have the courage and the health and all that to accomplish. Uh, Israel the, 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 and Ukraine, as far as the war that's going, wars that are going on there, the traumatized war victims, etc. <coughs> Exposing the uh, false doctrine of original sin. I wrote a little book. And uh, matter of fact, if you'll scan that, you can get that free. Uh, but uh, I, I, as I have been studying for years on this particular topic, I've come to the conclusion that this is the big one. As far as apostasy in the church is concerned, I think that we can begin to really tie it back to this idea. It, it really is, it's tied into almost a masochistic view of, of the fleshly nature. Uh, it's, 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 Gnosticism, all packaged up in self-abuse, etc., etc. But it's this whole idea that we are totally depraved, that God knits us together in the womb, I guess, as evil babies. And uh, when we come out the womb, that we are we're evil individuals. We are struck down by the nature of Adam. We, we uh, original sin, that we inherit original sin, which is, of course, exactly the opposite of what Ezekiel chapter 18 teaches. But anyhow... I wrote a book on this because we're going to have this as a, a an assigned reading in the future for our School of Biblical Studies students. Uh, and I, I like to encourage you to go ahead and get a copy of that and read it yourself because I think it is at the heart of some of the most damnable doctrines that exist within Christianity today. And then lastly, home church worship guides. I know you're expecting to have the home church worship guide there. And here in a moment, I'll click it and we'll go to the home church worship guide. 
But I saw this picture, and I thought to myself, you know, that represents what we really need to do for our men in the church today. I am convinced that men have been emasculated largely by church leaders. When we guilt our men into coming to passive pews, sit there, watch the service, be a spectator, essentially what we're saying to our men is bring your family and let us do your job for you. And it's sad that we've undermined the real masculine nature of the, the male as far as Christianity is concerned. And I would like to suggest to you that in Jeremiah 6.16, when he says we need to seek out the ancient paths, we need to get back to this. And we need to start calling out church leaders who are so selfishly hoarding authority and tell them what you need to be doing is empowering the men of the congregation to, to have their own home church. Now you can have it maybe once a month. Everybody gets together and we'll rent out the community center or whatever it may be. But imagine if these men were empowered to lead their family every Sunday in a home worship service. Can you imagine the impact that that would have upon the church, upon the world? Instead, what we do is we take a handful of men and we elevate them to the the, the showstoppers of the Sunday, if you will. They get to be on the big stage. They get to conduct everything. And we ask our men, then, lead your little family in here, and you sit down there submissively while we tell you and your family what's up. Men are designed to lead. And if elders, shepherds of the church, they want to start getting this thing right again, they'll go back to the New Testament pattern, and they'll allow men to step up, and they'll allow men to lead. I posted this yesterday. Uh, read it because I, I feel like it's a powerful, powerful message that needs to be stated because our churches are desperate for male leadership. But that being said, here is the church guide that I, or the, the home worship guide that I provide for you every uh, week. And take a screenshot of that, put that to use. We are up to chapter 12 in the book of Revelation, as you can see. And uh, you can also see that here's your home worship guide for Sunday. And then every day of the week, you have got a home devotional guide that will allow your family to grow spiritually, and it gives the opportunity for men to step up and to be what God designed men to be. Church leaders have got to stop emasculating the men of their congregation. Start empowering them to conduct their own home church. And that brings us right up to the 9.30 hour. Welcome. Appreciate you being here for the sermon segment of Lord's Day Live. We are quickly approaching the end of the book of Genesis. I've enjoyed preaching through it. I hope that you've enjoyed some of the applications that I've seen as I've gone through. Clearly, there's a thousand more than what I have put forth. But what I try to do each time is I look at that chapter which is, of course, the same chapter that I'm using in the Doodle Bible School just ahead of this uh, segment. But uh, I look at that chapter and I say to myself, what can I take away from my own personal spiritual walk with God from that chapter? And uh, in Genesis chapter 48, this is an easy one for us to draw applications to. But it ties in directly again to what I was talking about earlier with regards to men and the fact that men need to step up. And that church leaders need to stop emasculating them, expecting them to just come sit in a pew, a passive pew, sitting watching the, the, the stage show production. And instead, encourage men, empower men to be able to conduct their own home church scenario 
Well, in chapter 48, you're going to see some of the keys that actually would build towards that. Here we go. As you know, I always try to provide five questions, not just for the School of Biblical Studies, but uh, for anybody who's trying to study along on their own. But if you're part of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, these are the five questions that you will have on the final test. So it's probably a good idea for you to screenshot that, and then you can kind of fill in the blanks as we go. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> I want to deal with this idea of passing on the family blessing. Passing on the family blessing. Studies have been made, and uh, they're rather profound, that uh, when a father is involved in spiritual things, that his family is going to be involved as well. The statistics drop rap rapidly when it goes to the father's not involved, but mom's involved. Now, oftentimes the family will still be involved, but a lot of times the statistics drop rapidly with regards to that. Fathers tend to be the key. And that makes sense because throughout Scripture, fathers are called to lead, to protect, to provide. And even in the New Testament, we're told that you know women are to learn from their husbands at home so that they can grow. And so that would imply that husbands need then to be prepared to teach their wives and their children. And yet we're finding that within the church, so many husbands are not prepared. And it's the I lay this at the feet of the elders, the shepherds. You have not prepared your men to be the leaders that they need to be. And when you inspire them, encourage them, guilt them into coming and sitting in a passive pew every Sunday and, and suggesting that that is their spiritual duty, you've not done your job, elders. You've not done your job, spiritual leaders. You are inspired by God, required by God, maybe I should say, to be people who prepare these men. I think one of the major reasons that elders don't want to prepare men to have their own home church is because elders are afraid of losing their own authority. It's very selfish. Elders need to prepare men to be able to conduct their own home church. Imagine, imagine the potential of a maintained spiritual maturity within the church if we were to have multiple home churches. If our elders just had vision at least enough vision to get back to God's plan. Jeremiah 6, 16. Search for the ancient paths. Well, in Genesis chapter 48, we're going to find that Israel is, Jacob, is about to die. And in fact, he's going to die in, in, our, in the next chapter. And uh, in chapter 48, he wants to, before dying, he wants to place a blessing on his sons. But specifically in 48, before we ever get to 49, he's going to place a blessing on the grandsons, specifically of Joseph, Joseph's boys. And it says, when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me while I've been here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now, the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. And so we, probably the reason he didn't recognize him early on in the context is because he couldn't see him. But what we find here is something that is rather common in the Old Testament. I think it needs to become more common in our context as well. The patriarch of the family should be honored to the extent that toward the end of his life, or even prior to that, when he speaks advice, when he gives a blessing toward a project, that should carry a lot of weight. I know that in our particular situation, I'm very, very thankful that I still got my dad with me. He's 84. But the wisdom that the man carries often, in our home church scenario, etc., often is super often supersedes what I have to say. And I've got two boys. 
My oldest son's got his own family, and he's the one who leads our home church service. But I, it's interesting. When we got our home church service going on, if Grandpa speaks up, Bryson shuts down. And that's the way it ought to be, because he's the patriarch of the family. Now, that being said, whenever he gives his blessing to something, or we think, I'm not sure Dad would approve of that, it causes us to pause and not want to go down that particular path. <coughs> Here towards the end of the patriarch's life, Jacob, Israel, he wants to present a blessing to his grandsons. And so he says, bring them near, I want to bless them. And that's the theme of this particular lesson. So we're going to see three things that are going to happen. Number one, the blessing is made up of a meaningful touch or touches. That there's this physical interaction that's going to take place. It says that uh, Joseph brings them near. He kisses them, that is, Jacob kisses them, and he embraces them. Joseph then has to remove them from his knees, evidently, Grandpa's knees. And so he's, he actually he holds them, he kisses them, they're up on his lap. Towards the end, it says, and Israel stretched out his right hand, and he lays it on the head of Ephraim. He's going he's gonna to put his hands literally on the heads of these two boys as he presents the blessing to them. We live in such a perverted culture that has done so much to undermine the appropriate power of a touch. So much so that we often train our kids to guard their personal space, etc., which is a good thing to do. However, when you've got a grandfather or a, a family member who truly loves that child and truly wants to pass on the validation to that child, they're going to be hard-pressed to do it well if there isn't some level of physical interaction, a kiss, an embrace, a hand on the shoulder, something that passes on the meaningfulness of the blessing. So the first thing you see is a meaningful touch. The second thing that you're going to see is a meaningful talk. Things that are said. So Joseph brought them near and kissed them. And then Israel's going to say this to Joseph. He said, I never expected to see your face again. Remember, he thinks, he thought all these years that Joseph had been ripped in pieces by a wild animal. And then he learns his son's alive. But this is the cool part. He says, I never expect to see your face, but behold, God has let me see your offspring also. I didn't just get to see your face, but I got to see my grandsons. How great is this? Now, how validating would that be to Joseph? Because he's been through a lot. And Joseph says, or hears his own dad acknowledging the journey has been worth it. I'm so thankful that I now get to see, and I get to see my grandsons. How validating would that be to the grandsons? But you move on. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all life, all these lifelong days, he says, the angel who has redeemed me from evil, I want that, though, that blessing to be upon these boys. The blessing from that God who is taking care of me. And I preached a series of sermons some years ago, but man, it was a powerful sermon watching. It was, in, it was entitled, Jacob to Israel. And it was just a, it was showing the maturation process of a selfish young man who's forced out of camp. And later in life, as he's grown through all of these troubles and processes, etc., he comes back a matured individual. Well, that's this guy. That's this Jacob, this Israel fella. And now he's saying, that God who protected me and drew me through that maturation process, I want him to bless these boys. In them, let my name be carried on, etc. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you Ephraim as and as Manasseh. So it's a, it, he's saying, 
to other people. He's saying, may God bless you just like he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. And so their, their very names become a blessing. Meaningful talk. And so the patriarch, the dad, the, the grandfather of the family, he doesn't need to be the strong, silent type who sits in the corner of the living room, never says anything. He needs to be engaged. He needs to be an individual who's passing along those moments, those verbal uh, gifts of, of validation. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be the most talkative person in the room, and sometimes it's better for him to wait and to give only those wise tidbits. That's true. But if he's just the strong, silent type who never gets engaged, never gets involved, what kind of blessing is that? So there's not just the physical embraces, but there needs to be the meaningful communications as well. And then lastly, the hope, and this is so good, there needs to be a meaningful tomorrow. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Isn't that great? I'm about to die, but don't you dare hang up the, 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 the hope on the fact that daddy's gone. <coughs> you will be brought to the land of your fathers. And for them, that was the big hope. For you and I, obviously, it is to go and to be in the eternal realm where grandpa is going, where dad is going. There needs to be a meaningful tomorrow. Uh, our world is so dominated by tragedy hopelessness, people committing suicide because they see no purpose in continuing this life, individuals that are just in such pain, <clears throat> pain whether it be physically or emotionally, that they, they just see no reason to go on. If we, could, if we could restore the pattern of Scripture where there were strong men who led their family spiritually and towards the end of their life were able to do what Jacob, Israel does here, Pass along a blessing that doesn't just include a meaningful embrace, a meaningful communication, but also a meaningful tomorrow. Imagine the revival that would come to our people, the revival that would come to the church. If we would, instead of emasculating our men by asking them to come in and sit still passively in their pew during a spectator assembly, if instead of doing that, we empowered them to actually conduct their own home church, so every Sunday, it was on them to make sure that they had studied out the passage. Every Sunday, it was on them to make sure that they monitored the conversation, that make sure that it was healthy and it was going in the right direction. Every Sunday, it was them who led us to the cross so that we could have communion service together. Every Sunday, it was their voice that echoed between here and heaven as far as prayer is concerned. Imagine the empowering nature of home church as far as men are concerned. But instead, what are we doing? Our church leaders are asking men to come in and sit still and be quiet. We have emasculated our men, and in the process, we have removed the family blessing. If we want to return to a healthy relationship both with God, our culture, etc., we need to have meaningful talk, touch, and a meaningful tomorrow. Our men need to lead. So, by way of review then, what are you doing? <clears throat> to make sure that there's meaningful touch, talk, and tomorrow in your home. What are you doing about that? Here are the five questions that we tried to cover during that lesson. You got them? 
as always, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of our time together each Sunday. It really means the world to me. Continue to pray for us. Add us to your missions giving if you can. It's the Lord's Day. Daddies, step up. Stop sitting in a passive pew. Take control of your family's spiritual destiny. Keep it simple, innocent, and meaningful. You do not have to have a Ph.D. in Bible to be able to conduct a home worship service to lead your family closer to God. Do it, because the Lord deserves to have it done. Thanks for being here. Sonny Child saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26.